You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great, I'd love us to pray. Father, it's been so wonderful singing your praise. Lord, we've, I feel like my breath's been taken away this morning, coming and worshipping you. Lord, we thank you, you're so keen to speak to us. Even right now, Lord, I've prepared these things. Lord, I pray that there be anointing from you. It's not my words, but that you'd speak. I pray for everyone listening, that they just hear something from God that's going to captivate and inspire them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. If you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you could turn to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to jump straight in to be totally honest this morning. We've got lots of things to share with you. I feel really excited about today. And so I'm going to read this passage from the Bible, and then I've got some points from God, I believe, for us. Joshua chapter 1. I don't normally do the headings, but I thought I would today. It says in my Bible, the Lord commands Joshua. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then... You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, I I think I'd have had some churches, I'd have had so many amens and hallelujah by now, you wouldn't be able to hear the word being preached. I mean, there's some good stuff in those first five verses, isn't there? Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. It's almost like God has spoken for nine verses. Joshua responds. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must come across 
cross, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And this is almost like the people. It says, then the people, then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. I've been thinking about this uh, passage, to be honest, for some weeks. It's funny, you know, you just in your head, you just keep thinking, I felt God saying we very clearly, this is where I want to challenge the church on. This is a massive moment in the life of the church. It doesn't always happen in the Bible, but this book follows straight on the back of the last book. If you've got an iPhone, you might not have noticed, but it's literally just finished the book of Deuteronomy, and now it goes into the book of Joshua. Moses, the leader, has died. No, no, this was, I mean, we don't understand the significance of this. Moses, the liberator. Moses, the guy that had literally rescued them out of 400 years of slavery, that literally had had done all these plagues. I know it was God, but they looked at Moses. Moses, the guy who brought them through the, the, the wilderness. Moses, the guy who'd taken them up to Mount Sinai. They'd got the Ten Commandments. Moses, the guy that, you know, he was there sorting out the trouble amongst the people, has died. Do you know that Moses is mentioned 80 times in the New Testament? Joshua is only mentioned three. Yeah, this huge giant of a man has died. I wonder how the people felt. I thought it was interesting, wasn't it, even that Edward said, about some people feeling bruised. You see, I'm very aware that there'd be people sat here this morning and your dream has died. And actually, this was the thing that you thought was going to happen, and it has died. And actually, you think, golly, Moses, the servant of God, is dead. I mean, where's this gone? We know, actually, they've just done 30 days of mourning. There's this sense, Moses has died. I don't know how you feel. I don't know what you've prayed for, and it doesn't seem to have come to pass. I don't know what faith steps you've taken, and it doesn't quite seem to have happened. What I know is this, the servant is dead, but the master is not. You see, if you look at the passage, God says, hey, look, my servant is dead, but I'm alive and I'm doing something new. And I don't know if you're sat in church this morning and you think, man, alive, I, Pete, I don't know if I could go for another term. I, and I tell you this, God is alive. This is, this is what we come here. God speaks. There's this sense of faith, isn't there? God is going to do something. I love it. Before I start all of this, who knows what God will do? What I do know is that Joshua has been prepared for this for years. You can read in the book of Exodus, chapter 33, that God would speak to Moses face to face, and then he would go out amongst the people. But actually, Joshua stayed in the tent. He was intent on prayer. 
There you go. It's all in there. He was there determined to meet with God. He spent years engaging with God. We know elsewhere, don't we, from numbers, that actually he was one who the Spirit was upon him. He was a man of prayer, a man of the Spirit, and now suddenly God is going to do something. I tell you, I, feel, I do feel really excited about today and this new season that we're entering into. I honestly believe there's a new season. We, we need to pick something up here in God. I'd like to sort of prophetically say that. I've got four points that I'm going to bring out of here. They don't all go with the same letter. I've just tried to stick with the scripture. The first thing is this. He was commanded by God. I told you I read the heading. Another Bible translation I was looking at said he was commissioned by God. Another one said God gave him a charge. I don't like the, the heading in some Bibles. God installed him as a leader. You see, what I think, what I love about this, about kingdom advance that we find in Joshua, is God speaks first. I I don't obey you, even like the vision morning, I can come and I think, oh God, this is what I'd love to do. But actually, before I do anything, God speaks. We know that we come to a God who speaks. We know, don't we, that actually in creation, God speaks and then things happen. I mean, you can see that right throughout the Bible. God initiates. God has ideas. God has plans and purposes. It says in Isaiah that actually God's kingdom is like the the mountain where the nations will stream. It will become chief mountain of all the earth because God spoke it. We know that God spoke in Daniel, don't we, about this rock that came and literally knocked over this statue and expanded to fill the earth because God has spoken already. We know that in Jesus, God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. God has spoken. I'm not coming here this morning with a few thoughts of Pete. Well, I am, but actually they're coming out of the Bible, which is what God has said. I mean, that's the exciting thing, isn't it? Who knows? What God will do? Well, God tells us, I will give every place as I promised. None will be able to stand. But I think I need to say those again. God says this, I will give every place as I promised. None will be able to stand. God's point of view dominates. Is that true of your life? Is it true of mine? So if I come for a vision morning, what should I really think? God, I want your point of view to dominate my life. Ah, that's a, that's a big challenge, isn't it? God, what, what does that mean? Dominate. This is what I think we see here. There's a strong sense, isn't there, that actually God is, is commissioning. He's dominating their thinking. Moses has gone. Joshua's now in charge. I mean, this is a picture, isn't it? Don't we see it in the New Testament? Jesus has risen. The disciples are now left with a commission. There's this thing, isn't it, that just as as God commissions Joshua, Jesus commissioned the disciples. We live under this sense of God has spoken to us. I love it, don't you? I mean, it's not just some soundbite slogan. This is what God has said. God has said, I'm going to do something. I mean, if you're not excited enough, you just need to flip to the last page in Joshua. Well, almost last. Joshua 21, verse 43. 
So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. Don't you love it? I, I know that, you know, nowadays we can, you know, I think, I know the end of the book. I, I know what happens. This is right at the beginning, and God says, I'm going to do something, and then I flick over the page, and God has done it. I honestly believe that God says, my word will go to the ends of the earth, and all will bow before him. And if I flick to the end of the book, Revelation 7 verse 9 tells me this. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. No one could count. From every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing there before the throne and before the Lamb. I love it. I, I know how it's going to work. I'll be honest, I, I'm a football fan. I'm not going to mention my team. They're just not doing brilliantly at the start of the season. By faith, it could all turn around at the end. But what I do know is this, is if they've had a tough game and they've won, I can watch the game and enjoy it more. You know what I'm saying? It, you know, I mean, oh, it's a nil-nil and I think, oh, but if actually, even if they win 4-3, but if I know that, I think, I think I'm going to watch this. <laughs> At the end of the day, we blow them apart, even if we score three in extra time. You see, I can sit and I think, I know what's coming. But this is what we know. We don't suddenly think, oh, God, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder how things are going to go. The Bible tells us clearly. So what does God say? Look, he says, this is what I'm going to do. Be confident. And then he says this, be strong and courageous. You see, what I find really interesting about this is God promises the land, but the people have to go and take it. I don't know about you. You know what I'm saying? God doesn't just promise you a debt chair and just say, that's all right. Just sit back. It'll all happen. Now, actually, he says, come on, be strong and courageous. He says, come on, you've got to get up. You've got to press in. You've got to take hold of it. Some of us like a challenge. Some of us don't. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given a challenge, like it or not. You know, don't worry about your personality type. Just come with it. You know, some of you think, oh, God, I've got so many challenges. This is what you're called for. Be strong and courageous. We know throughout the book that they have to fight enemies. There's lessons to be learned. There's things that are demanding. There's cost to pay. There's uncomfort to go through. There's possible injury along the way. But actually, they think, come on, I've got to be strong and courageous. I read this week, there's four types of church. These all begin with the same letter. At least I've got that in. There's one, which is a museum. That's a relic to the past, where nothing new happens. There's one, which is all about maintenance. How do I keep the doors open? How, how do I just make the thing happen? How do I pay the bills? There's one, which is all about ministry. Actually, how do I really care for everyone inside? And there's one which is all about mission. Actually, how do I care for people as we share the good news with other people? Well, I want to say unashamedly, I'd love us to be a church that is all about mission, that thinks, come on, we've got to be strong and courageous. If you don't think, golly, I've got to be strong and courageous, you've got to up your Christian game. I mean, honestly, yeah, are we really in the battle? Because I think that there's got to be this, oh, I've got to be strong, I've got to be strong. In fact, what's he say? I've got to be very courageous. Because that's the game we're called to. And I love that. And I want us very intentionally to think, God, how do we prepare ourselves for the battle? 
That's why I've said we've got this uh, girl, Tanya, coming next week. Unashamedly, if you've got something on Saturday morning, cancel it. She will be here. It will be brilliant. Why? Why would you come? Why? Because you think, I'm in a battle, and I'll tell you, this would be an equipping that would just be phenomenal. So I, I would say, come in. Saturday morning, we will be here. That's why we do meetups every term, and we say, come on, how do, it's not just, oh, well, if you've got nothing better to do midweek, small group. Actually, there's a sense of, come on, I, I'm in a battle. I need to join with other people. This is why we've got a guy called Chris Kandaya. He's going to come and preach to us in October. I think it's the 16th of October. This is a guy that, that started Home for Good, a real thing. How does Christian make a difference in the community? I think, why do we want that? Because actually, we're in a battle. We're, we, we want these people to help us. Stir us to be strong and courageous. This is why we put on things like John Archer. Because actually, we don't just say, oh, you know, let's have a look. He is really, really funny. I would just give you a warning. If you're going to come to John Archer, bring some spare underpants. You may wet yourself laughing. I mean, he's great. But actually, why are we doing it? Because people come and they think, oh, well, he's a very strong Christian. Oh, that's what it's about. I tell you, come, it will be a brilliant time. This is why we're doing some of these things. We're in a battle. This is why we are launching a mothers and toddlers group called Little Fish. Some of you know that they've done an outstanding job with our kids upstairs. And, you know, they're brilliant. Sunday by Sunday, many of you I know serve on it. But we don't just want to look after the church kids. We want to be a church that's not just maintenance, on mission. And so we're going to be starting on Tuesday mornings at the town hall downstairs in another room. I'd pray for it. I mean, it'd be a fantastic opportunity. Maybe some of you think I could serve at it. You might say, well, I don't have any kids. Great, you're the kind of people we need. Because if you've got kids, you're always watching them run around all over the place. You think, well, I could welcome somebody. I could make tea and coffee for somebody. I could talk to somebody. What a great way of us making an impact. I mean, this is the term, isn't it? Where we go for the carol services. What, already? Yeah, look, I've seen the Christmas cards in the shop. It's not too early to talk about it. Do you know we had 600 people turn up at the carol services last year? What could God do this year? They just think, oh, I turned up and I thought, oh, there's a church there. This year we're going to do a family service as well afterwards. Last year we also did a party for all the foster families in the, in the borough. We intend doing that again this Christmas. Why? Because we want to be those that you think, come on, this is what we're called to do. I'm thrilled by all of this. I hope you are too. I hope you are too. Some of you will, um, I'm looking around to see Abby. Is Abby around? Many of you know that Abby is very involved with all the kids and what we're doing here. And so I'm thrilled to be able to say that we're going to be employing Abby for a day a week to serve us on families as of last Thursday. So Abby, it's great having you join us. Look at that, you know. The reality is, why do we do things like this? Because actually, we believe there's a challenge of us together. We believe that we want to grow together. So I'm, I'm thrilled by this and just us taking steps forward. Uh, I'll be honest and say as well, I've probably found a bit of a challenge with the church. I love it, looking around the church and just things growing. You think, praise God. Isn't it exciting? And you just always think, oh God, you've got to grow. How is this going to happen? And so I've been looking for an assistant for some time. 
someone that would stand alongside and think, come on, let's fight together. If you've read the Bible, you think, oh, Saul had an armor bearer. And you think, come on, one could slay a thousand, two could slay 10,000. I mean, isn't that what the Bible says? And so I'm thrilled to be able to say as part of our vision this morning that we're actually going to be taking on Joe. Stand up, Joe. Stand up, stand up. So he's going to be uh, full-time on the staff as of Thursday. Why do we do these things? Because actually we're saying, God, we honestly believe that you called us to take ground. We believe this is a new season. And we're just saying, God, how is this going to happen? So then you think, oh, how does that impact me? Well, my third point is this. God speaks. We need to be strong, courageous. You need to help your brothers. What do I mean by that? Well, there's this phrase, isn't there, in verse 14. You are to help your brothers. You see, if you know the story in the Bible, and some of you might, some of you might not, there were 12 tribes that were part of the God's people. And two and a half of the tribes, I know it sounds bizarre, we won't get into all the history of that, but two and a half, before they got to cross into the promised land, thought, do you know what? This place looks great. In fact, we'd rather settle here. I know God said to go on, but we're going to settle here. In fact, this is going to be a great place because really we're farmers and it'll be a much better place. And so Moses, the leader, had said, fine, you two and a half tribes, you can settle east of the Jordan, but the others are going to have to go and fight in the land. And what I'm going to say to you is, although you stay here, you get up and you go and fight with your brothers. Don't settle until everyone's got their inheritance. Don't just you think, oh, well, that's all right. I'm okay. I'm over here. Actually, what I want is I want you to come together and to keep pressing on. You see, the history of God's people, unfortunately, can be challenging division. You think about it. Just even by the time you get here, Isaac and Rachel have twins, Esau and Jacob, and they just end up fighting. Jacob has 12 boys, they fight so much that they sell one as a slave, one of their own brothers. Moses, the leader, is opposed by his own brother and sister. And so Joshua that says, look, come on, if this is really a new phase, what have we got to do? We've got to be together. It's no point just standing back, being isolated. He understood that Israel was not meant to be a loose association it was meant to be considered a single person. Whew. So if we're thinking about this as a church, I don't think the church is meant to be a loose association. It's saying, how do we stand together? How do we stand together? When I was at school, I've got two brothers. Um, I'm the middle one. So there's three boys all at secondary school. And we had another family that also had three boys that were alternate years. And so between the six boys, we covered six years out of the seven years at secondary school. And uh, it was the Francis family. They had three boys, and it was the Cornford family. They had three boys. And the reality was at secondary school, if you picked on one, you picked on six. You know what I'm saying? If suddenly you're in trouble, oh, no, well, we'd all pitch in and try and help out. I sometimes think, well, surely that's what the church should be like. You know, actually, we're all in this together. Paul writes, doesn't he, to the church and says, actually, what, how do I think of the best way to describe the church? I don't know what. 
It's a body. The body is, it's, it's together, isn't it? I mean, you've not left your legs at home and come here this morning without them. You're one, aren't you? We're suddenly all on one together. And so I think, actually, if we want to go forward, we must go forward together. We know that Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, were the two spies that came back with a positive report. They were 80 years old and still saying, I'm going to take land. I tell you, we're in it together. It doesn't matter what age you are. I love the fact, you know, that the people in the church that are over 80, we're in it together. You know, it's not, oh, this is young people, or this is old people, or this is married people. No, no, we're all in it together. That's something that you see here. I encourage you, play your part. I think, as Adam said, even this morning, if you've never given, give some money. If you have given, give regularly. If you think, oh, I give regularly, give proportionately. If you think, actually, I'll give proportion on what I earn, then give even more. Give generously. I think, come on, we, we need to play a part. The church is about us all being in together. I used to be a primary school teacher. And, uh, you know, year six, the end of primary school, they'd all do a little assembly. You know, they often used to put arms around each other. They'd had seven years to go, oh, we're all in it together. They weren't. They were all going off to separate secondary schools, and it was total trouble. But there was just this real heart. I want to ask, what's your heart? Are you always saying, actually, I'm in it together? I'm in it with other people? I would love it if everybody served in one way on a Sunday morning. Actually, I could do the PA. I couldn't. That's why I'm asking you to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. I can only just about lift the speaker, let alone make it work. But there could be somebody sat and think, Pete, I would love that. You might think, well, actually, God, they do tea and coffee. Every... I'd, love to, I'd love to get involved in that. Great. Why not? Golly, people welcome us and say goodbye every week. You could, you could get involved. This is the thing. Actually, what you're saying, come and help your brother. Don't, oh, I can do my own thing. It's no islands here. We are in it together. God speaks. Yeah? Be strong and courageous. Help your brother. So what's the final thing I want to say this morning? What could be better than this? God says, I will be with you. He says it in verse 5, and he says it in verse 9. I love this, don't you? There is a sense of God is ultimately our vision. God is what we need. I, tell, I, I don't fully know what's going to be happening. Of course, we've planned this. If you want to find out some of the details of the stuff, you could look on the website. The dates are all there between now and Christmas. But what I do know is God will be with us. I mean, that changes everything, doesn't it? And so I think, well, where's the vision and where's the, the thing of going forward? See, I love this about this passage. Joshua says, right, you've got three days. If you've got three days to go and take a land, what would you do? I know what I'd do. I would sharpen my sword. Wouldn't you? You'd go home and think, man alive, I'm going to kill a load. I'd probably say to my neighbor, I'm going to kill more than you. You know, let's sharpen the sword, let's go. But what, is, what does Joshua tell him to do? Go back and get your supplies. Not go back and get your weapons. You see, it's not until chapter 5, when they're in the promised land, that the manna stops flowing. 
So their supplies would have all come from God. So actually, what he's really saying is, we're just about to go and take an inheritance here. But before you do that, I want you to go back and remember that God supplies everything you need. Everything you're going to take with you, it comes from God. You could think, oh, I'll sharpen my sword because this is what I'm going to do. But actually, what Joshua says is, go back, look at your supplies. They've come from heaven. They're provided for you. The confidence we go forward on is not what we could do. It's not, golly, now we're paying these people. They better work hard. Now, our confidence is in God. Our confidence is not even in our togetherness, which is going to be great. Because the Bible says, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Now, our confidence is in God. So when we go forward, it's not, oh, what could we do? It's what could God do? We know this was true. Joshua, he spent time in the tent with God. We know that he'd had a victory over the Amalekites because Moses had raised his hands in prayer. We know that he's been mentored by Moses. Moses in Exodus 33 verse 15 says this. It's about God. God says, I've had enough. God says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? I'd love to have a slogan this term. How about that? We don't very often have these. We're not going to stick it on anywhere, but you, you could write it down if you like. No presence, no go. Simple, isn't it? No presence, no go. You see, ultimately, that's why we have a week of prayer. We're not just coming and saying, oh, golly, could we make you really busy for three nights? Dig deep, come out. The whole thing is, how do we encounter God together? Yeah, that Monday night, what we're doing is we're praying. We're just lifting up our eyes and saying, oh, God, we're crying out to you. On a Wednesday, when we do, we're going to be sharing more details. We get Joe to tell you a bit of his story. He's an incredible filmmaker. He's incredible that the hip-hop band that were here early in the year, he's performed with them. You can find out more about your story. You'll find that on the Wednesday. But actually, we're going to pray because that makes us lift up our eyes to God. That's why we're going to spend the Friday night just in adoration of him. Because like today, you, you, he wants to say so much and, and time just runs out. No presence, no go. What would my vision love to be going forward? Well, my, my confidence is this, God speaks. My confidence is this, God says, come on, strong and courageous, you can do it. We, we don't get away with that now. I used to play football, and you know, the manager used to slap us on the backside as we all left the change room. It's like, come on, boys, get on the pitch, you can do it. I feel God saying that, strong and courageous, lads, have it. If that's a helpful picture, keep it. If not, bin it quickly. <laughs> I see some girls are thinking, What? I still saw it happen. No, no, we won't go there. Let's just go moving on. In it together. We're team. That's what, that's what the, the, this is all about, isn't it? It wasn't like you settle over there. Oh, it's all right, I'm settled. I'm, my settlement, no, no, come on, we inherit together. But actually, unless God is here, we're nothing, can't we? And that's why I just love it when we gather together because I honestly think, you know, the hairs go up on the back. I think God is here. We don't just sing a few songs, do we? I, I mean, God is with us wherever we go. I appreciate the theology of that, but there's something of us coming together and being aware. Wow, when we gather, God is here. 
I, I do want you to go forward full of faith. I do want us to go excited. We're not just following a, a, a man, Joshua, from, you know, two and a half thousand years ago. We're following the, the man, Jesus, because that is Joshua's name in the New Testament. I don't know if you know this, actually. Joshua wasn't called Joshua. He was renamed by Moses. Some of you would have read that in the Bible. His name before that was Hosea, and that basically meant salvation. But Moses renamed him to Joshua because that means the Lord saves and the Lord gives victory. And actually, we know that Joshua was really a whole picture of Jesus Christ. And that there was this sense of Jesus is the name Joshua in Greek. It's almost this sort of, oh, actually, what happens? God gives victory. God gives salvation. That's the, that's the promise we go forward on. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? And so, hey, I don't quite know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future, as we always used to sing. And so I want us to go forward pumped, thinking, oh, God, what could you do? If your Moses has died, if your Moses has died, let's go in faith again, eh? Let's go in faith again. Thank you, guys.